Back for another episode of the Down and Dirty Fire podcast. It's a podcast for firemen by firemen, talking about the ins and outs, the good, bad, and the ugly of the job. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about this one word, communication. Uh-oh. What does the word communication mean to you in today's fire service world? Transparency, all day. Communication starts from the bottom all the way to the top and vice versa, in my opinion. Yep. Everybody has to know what page everybody is on. If, if there's any confusion along the agenda or the, the goals that you're trying to push, there's going to cause issues within your department or your firehouse or your company. Yeah. And uh, so communication for me can be anything from you and the other guy in the back seat to company level, station level, you know, if you're in a, a multi-company house, which some of us are, some of us aren't, to I'm your not battalion, not. <laughs> even um, divisions, you know, whatever it works, your shift, your in your department. So on on that on the bottom level, with you and just other person in the back, on a day to day basis, knowing who's grabbing what on which call, whether it's an EMS call. A fire alarm, a vehicle fire, a vehicle accident, or a structure fire is supposed to be communicated clearly. Whether you and that other person decide it, your officer says, "This is your assignment today." You know, some some departments have like above the seat on a piece of paper what each seat's assignment is. So, and, and then you just rotate like each cycle is a different seat that you sit in. I think it goes back to knowing your crew's personality as well. Like we talked about two episodes ago, I mentioned knowing your crew and knowing their personality. I might ride a ride a, a company with all of you guys, knowing what you're going to come off the truck, I wish. what tool you're going to take. Yeah, I agree. But knowing what tool you're going to grab or, or what line you're going to stretch, depending upon what situation you're presented with, that, that makes all the difference in communication. Sometimes it's formal, sometimes it's informal. But just having that idea of, okay, this is... Steve's go-to tool, this is Austin's go-to tool, or whatever. I know that I need to fill the void or the gap in grabbing that extra tool, stretching that extra line, you know, doing whatever may need to be done to strengthen his weakness. I've heard a good saying that applies to all jobs, but when it comes to the communication stuff, um, I think a lot of times we're guilty of assuming in the fire service, whether it's you know, assuming, you know, what, what the task is or assuming what the other person is going to do. And as corny as it sounds, you know, when you assume you're making an ass of you and me, right? And, you know, when you're with a crew for an extended period of time, which depending on the agency you work with will kind of dictate how often you get to work with that crew. But these are conversations that, you know, I've never really operated at a company officer level for an extended period of time. I was a station officer for me and one other person. But, you know, and this is, it kind of ties into like good leadership versus bad leadership. But having a strong uh, working relationship with your people, uh, I think kind of for me is what dictates communication. Um, you know, like where I, like with my current working situation, but all of us on the truck know, 
And this is like something I was told from day one from starting with my captain all the way down to my senior fireman was if we run this call, you know, if you're riding, if you're riding line, you, you know, on a fire alarm, you need to grab this and this. Um, or if you're riding four, pretty much for every manpower situation, whether you're riding three or four, to now, you know, we go to a call and everybody on the truck, you don't have to look at each other, man. Like, you know, when you get off the truck, like, hey, we're going to this fire alarm, we're riding four, I'm going to grab the irons, you're going to grab the can and the hook. I know what you're thinking and you know what I'm thinking and we're going to go to work. Yeah, That's exactly. It, it, so, so let's get into, into this subject. It, it's along the same lines, but... Where I previously worked, we we stayed on the same ship with the same guys for about a year, and we just got into working, learning everybody's personality really well, and then all of a sudden, admin would come and they'd bust us up. They'd send everybody to different ships, right? So how mad does that make you? And I, I don't know if y'all have ever experienced that, if you have or haven't, but I mean, how mad does that make you? You just learn your guys and you learn what they're capable of and what they can and can't do, all that good stuff, and then all of a sudden... A paper comes out, a memo comes out, and it says, guess what? You're going to X, Y, and Z shift, whatever, all of a sudden. And see, my, my thing with that is my first career department was that way, and it was a, oh, we have to, to mix people up for whatever reason. And there was no, like, valid reason why. But if you think about it from the admin perspective, if you want to put out the best product and the best service you can provide, why would you keep splitting up people when they're starting to gel and work together and you're actually getting something good out of out of what you have? So I'll side with a minute. I, you know, I'll side with, or I guess I'll go over both sides of this because I've been fortunate enough in my time to have good working relationships with officers and make these decisions. Um, you know, sometimes it's just as simple as there needs to be a shakeup of personnel um, and you could just become collateral of that situation where, you know, so-and-so needs to come off of this truck or so-and-so is being introduced to this department. Um, I've been in situations where the officer I worked with was good with new people and that in turn would create a revolving door of firemen just for the reason of they know, hey, we get this guy in who's green or this guy who needs to learn our system and administration knows if they put them with this captain or this lieutenant or combination of firefighter or lieutenant captain, that they're going to come out in good shape. Um, it is frustrating, I think, to have, you know, whether it's a situation of having to travel or permanently be moved, it sucks to spend a ton of time as a group. You know, because I don't know in your guys' opinion, I think it takes a solid year to truly learn. I mean, you're going to, after that, you're going to still learn each other, but... I think it takes a year of consistently working together to pick up a true communication bond with your guys to the point where you don't need to ask them to do something. Or if you are upset or angry about something, like they already know. And I think being broken up frequently, like you guys said, does kind of fracture that situation. But I do think a competent firefighter or an excellent firefighter Part of your adjectives to describe you should be, you know, adaptable. And if you can't adapt on the fly like that, um, I, th I think it's a good a good quality for you to have. And then, you know, you're going to get pissed. You know, I, I worked with a crew that I really liked and we got broken up. 
after being told we were not going to get broken up, that there was going to move. So, like, we, for me, for example, I was told me and my captain were sat together in a meeting with the battalion chief, and he said, you guys are a package deal, because I was new. He said, you guys are a package deal. I'm keeping you guys together for at least another year. And then three days later, a transfer sheet was sent out, and we were broken up. Not even just broken up, moved that, like, he went to a different station than I did. So, yeah, it's frustrating, but I think learning how to get past that and just realize that sometimes it's just part of the fire service um, is a pretty crucial part of that. Are they getting broke up when you say, because this is how it was in my first career department, was, oh, there needed to be a shift shakeup. Was it because people weren't getting along or was it because someone was burnt out? If you're burnt out and need to go somewhere slower, I mean, that's understandable. But if it's because people can't get along, it, I mean, there's probably more underlying issues going on. That can be dealt with and fixed it because you're just going to kill the morale of the whole entire shift. If it, and especially in a small department with like two or three or four stations, you, you break people up and you have like one or two like really good companies that you rely on every single call, every single fire you get. And you had the one bad apple that spoils the bunch that has to be split up and then you spoiled everybody. Well, unfortunately, as frustrating as it is, in this job, you're not guaranteed to be any assignment or any place for a long time. Um, I feel that while it may be frustrating to leave a solid crew and a crew you get along with very well and work well together, it's going to build you as a fireman to go somewhere you don't want to go. You're going to learn things from a different crowd like you would your, your own crowd you've been working with for a while. That's, that's just my take on it. It is, it is frustrating. It sucks. All right. So so taking all that into account, let's go into this. This is shifting subjects a little bit, but staying along the same lines. In both of y'all's opinion, Austin and Steve, do you think you can learn more the same or less from a good leader or a bad leader? So I would say I can learn significantly more from a good leader because when you look at a bad leader, the only thing I'm really going to learn is what not to do, which is it's valuable, right? It's valuable for you. If you never see the bad of things, you know, the bad side of the job or the bad side of personnel, um, I think you need to be exposed to that at some point as much as it sucks. You need to be exposed to that kind of behavior because, you know, all of us at this table, I'm sure, have aspirations to be leaders in, in rank, right? Not just leaders amongst men now and women. But uh, the problem is, and something I've noted over my career and something I was told early on, was most firefighters are going to be a direct reflection of their first captain that they, that they receive when they are assigned to a fire department for the first time. That, that I like that. that. I've heard that before. They said it, and if you look at firefighters down the line, listen to them talk about their first captain they ever had. And it's not, it's not a one-size-fits-all model, but... You listen to firefighters talk about their first captain, how their first captain was, and then watch them perform on the job. Not saying people can't change, because I've seen good firemen go bad and bad firemen go good over time. But you will pick up a lot of traits that your first captain put that instills in you. I like that a lot. I, I, can, I can see that, because, I mean, when you think about with kids, you know, they say you don't just develop the way you are. Like, you pick up a lot of traits from your parents. You know, coming in to the job... 17, 18, 19 years old, you know, you're, you're still a kid. So you, you're looking up to whoever you get right out of the gate is 
just out of having the rank as an influencer on you as so, a captain. So I was very fortunate out the gate, speaking on that same subject, I was very fortunate out the gate whenever I was 18, still in high school, COVID came around, I got hired full-time at my first apartment. I had a stellar, just a stud captain. He knows who he is. If he's listening, I appreciate everything you've ever done for me. Um, but this dude was just, he was all around great. And now that you say that, it kind of, it's one of those aha moments for me. It's like, okay, everything that I've been doing that's small, the little minute things, I see where that came from now. Uh, and those, those new guys, those probies that are working under not so great officers, don't let that limit you. Don't let that give a stale mindset to you. Try to reach out and, and be that fireman that you truly want to be, that fireman that you see on that scene, and you're like, man, that dude's just, he's going at it. He's a hard target. Don't let the bad company officer get you in a bad mindset. Sounds like someone we all know. Yeah. And then that's, I think it's a it's a tricky thing, especially for new firefighters. Like, when I got my first fire department job, I had volunteer experience, but I never had, like, a direct, like, we had elected captains and elected, like, volunteer lieutenants and stuff like that. But they don't have as much of a direct say over you as they do in the in like the career side of things. And so you got to think when you walk into a paid firehouse for the first time, and like that's your job. You learn pretty much how your time is going to go, your training, your growth period in that first few years is going to come down to how much effort that captain's willing to put into your development. Um, especially for people that don't like for us all going somewhere or coming from somewhere to a new place, we already know how to do our jobs, right? Like we're just learning how to do it a different way now in a way that, you know, adjusting to a different area, uh, with different policies, different operating procedures, stuff like that. But people that come from, you know, I won't say the street, but people that come in for the first time and they go into a station with a bad captain, for example. And when I say bad, I don't mean like a bad guy. Because I've met very few people in the fire service that are just bad people at heart. Um, but people who just aren't committed to their job in a way to be managing people. A lot of those firefighters are going to come out of that assignment, move to a good one, and they're going to have two choices. They're either going to be able to get on board and fix what's going on or stay the way they are and get run over everybody else. So, I don't know, I think that that, that first captain and that first crew... Because, like, there's going to be times where you work with a captain you don't like. But, like you said, Zach, that if you have been around and you can acknowledge that you're not working for somebody that you would want to be, it's your responsibility to make sure that new guy, without, you don't ever want to badmouth an officer to a new guy, but show them what's going to make them successful. I mean, it kind of goes back to the, the informal leadership, too, right? Just because you're not wearing a, a yellow, a red, a white helmet, or whatever, you can still be that leader in the firehouse. I mean, your new guy's going to take—he's going to take shape of your senior fireman. So be that guy that shows him how it should be. If you are in the senior seat, be that guy that gives him the light, gives him the "this is how firemen should be" mentality. Yeah, I agree a thousand percent. Le leadership does not need to be a title. I think some of the, the best leaders I've been around where we're in the same shield I was. Um, and that's not a shot at any officers I've had, but just, you know, and I think everybody has um, has mentors or people they look up to in the fire service. Um, I think we all can identify on the top of your, you know, top of your brain who the people are that you 
can look back at and say, man, that dude really made a difference in like my personal and professional life. But you know, those people don't have to be captains or chiefs. Um, you know, I've worked with guys that were newer than me that taught me different skills that maybe not fire ground related, but opened me up to things. I was like, man, like I really struggled with communication or, um, you know, some sort of skill around the firehouse that could have helped me earlier on. And, and those guys had, you know, been brand new or, you know, new to that agency or whatever. And I think that it, it ties back into communication, right? Because if you can't communicate with each other, you know, if you're working with somebody you don't like and or you guys don't see eye to eye or like in my experiences not growing up down here, I've worked with crews that I don't have a lot in common with as far as like I've worked with guys that like one of my first captains was like grew up on a farm, works on the farm on his days off. Man, I don't know anything about that. Like, I don't know what he's going through at home when it comes to the farm and coming to work or taking off to go work on a farm. But if you're able to like communicate with each other and, you know, even if your interests aren't the same, like talking about the stuff with each other and understanding what each person's passionate about, I think that comes a long way in developing a good bond. And so, so like you were saying, he, he was down here, grew up on a farm, works on a farm. And talking about, you know, culture and tradition. So when I was in South Carolina, you know, we had a lot of people from up north, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maryland. I like, grew up in these cities. So like New Jersey, for the most part, is all like highway and towns and cities and stuff. There's not a like country like there is here in North Carolina. And there was people, like quite a few, who didn't know anything about snakes or chainsaws other than what they were learned for five minutes in the academy that they got to put their hands on the chainsaw for, for just a short amount of time. And he was like, man, he's like, I didn't need to use one growing up because we lived in the city. We didn't have trees. So like, you can't really fault someone for not knowing how to run a chainsaw if they never had a use. So I listened to a captain... Um, at a fire department. Uh, one time he was talking about, there was a few of us that got hired at the same time. And he was like asking me how I liked so-and-so. And I was like, oh yeah, he seems like he's pretty good. Like he cares about his job, whatnot. And he was like, man, well that guy's not worth a damn. And I was like, well, like, why do you say that? Like, I never got that, that vibe from him. He was like, well, uh, we were going to mow the grass and he didn't know how to use a zero turn. And I, it got me thinking, I was like, man, I was like, neither do I. Well, I didn't before I joined the fire department. And I was thinking, like, not every, like, a lot of people, especially in these smaller southern fire departments, come from the same background, whether they lived in that town their whole life or around that area. And that's that's a big assumption. Like I said, it's not good to assume. But in my instance, that's what happened. And, you know, in my head, it got me thinking it back to, like, when I started and, like, how you talked about chainsaws. Like, I had never used a chainsaw until I got in the fire department. Like, I didn't grow up cutting trees or anything. Like, it just wasn't my background. But it took people who were willing to, like, you know, to understand that. But it also comes back to you communicating with your crew in the first place. Like, if you get on the department and they ask what you don't know how to do, and you don't tell them, how are they going to know? Until you go on a fire ground and mess something up. And, and that's a big thing, being, being, if you're brand new, straight off the street, no experience, or... You have 15 years experience and it's your first day in a new department. If you don't know, say you don't know. 
it goes it goes a lot farther than so yeah i had a situation yesterday um we did some vertical bent training we were running the saws and everything and so i actually went to another department's meeting that they had and this guy from the vertical bent training he he texted me he said hey man how do you clean the air filter on this chainsaw and i texted him back real fast and you know told him real quick how to clean the air filter well, Later on, I went to the fire station and I pulled the chainsaw out and we got some new chains. I went and put a new chain on it and went to start the saw and it wouldn't start. I was like, what the hell? What, what's wrong with this thing? So I popped the air filter off, just, just running through everything, you know, quick troubleshooting. And uh, I noticed that somehow the the wire to the kill switch, it, it, the little lever for the choke, it got all messed up in there. I got to thinking, I was like, man, I, I don't, you know, it had to be this kid that did it. But I'm not about to sit here and, and shame this kid. I'm not about to call him out for it because he took it upon himself, the initiative to ask me, hey, man, how do I clean this air filter? How do I make this all better? How do I get it back in a ready state for all of you people that read the fire service book, firefighter one and two? Like, I can't call him and chew him out about trying to do better. So I simply fix a chainsaw and I call him and say, hey, man, look, do you run the saw afterwards? No, I, I didn't, I didn't. I was like, all right, well, let's let's have a quick conversation. If we'd have had a fire in between the time that you tried to fix that saw, clean that air filter out, and now it wouldn't have ran, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, I apologize. I didn't realize. He said, I just tried to fix it. So it, it goes back to that whole communication thing. If he would have just said, look, I, I might have made a mistake. Something wasn't right. I might have broke something. And, and easy, another easy thing things, right? with that is... It's like stuff that requires the the fuel mixtures. Like people don't know how to mix fuel, however many parts. Like the we use true fuel. Most departments yeah. do nowadays. It's what a fifty to one mixture. It, it's pre mixed so you kind of avoid a lot of issues that happen because people don't know how to, to mix fuel. But uh, I was saying all that to pretty much get to the point of he may have never had a chainsaw in his hands. He may have never done anything with a chainsaw other than that day that we went to the roof that we went topside and he started that saw and pulled the gas on it and revved it up that may have been his only experience for it so i give him props for even trying to do something with took that the saw. initiative but yeah, it shows too good communication between you guys because you had an opportunity to blow up blow him up yeah. and get in his ass and you didn't and he also had the chance to deny everything. But it's all about a learning experience. It's It's all about a learning experience. That's all it is. It's all about a learning experience. If, I, if if somebody makes a simple mistake like that and you blow up on them, how how do you think they're going to perceive you for the next however long of your career? It, it, it shows leadership. Yeah, they're not going to respect you. Yeah. Well, just think about like your experiences. When have you ever learned something from a captain blowing up at you? Oh, never. You, I, me, personally, I shut down. That's I'm what done. I'm saying. When I you blow up at me, I'm done. Younger me would have blew up right back, and we both would have been See, I in an office or fired. I, I would have held a grudge against that person, and I would have been scared to work with that person, scared to fail in front of that person, because I would have said, man, if I make a mistake, that's what's going to happen every single time. Yep. And that's bad communication. Yeah. Like, like you said, like, taking that extra time to, to explain and communicate shows leadership being able to ha- have the patience and understanding you know that somebody's trying to do something good and right and they might have messed up but man they still had the best the best in mind 
their intent was was good. They they were trying to do the right thing, and I feel like so often in the fire service we we have leaders that just they have that that super short fuse, and when something doesn't go their way or whatever the case may be, they just blow up. It's not how it should be. No. I think uh, one thing a lot of people coming in the door in the fire department today, we cannot expect them to know everything. You know, not everybody comes from working on a farm or a trade before they come to the fire department. Most of our kids coming to the door today have never cranked a chainsaw before in life. You know what I mean? So when they come to the firehouse for the first time, just be in the mindset that if you're going to have to help them out, you know? Yeah, it's probably I mean, good. I struggle with that myself. Like, I've, I've always been a fireman. I didn't do anything before being a fireman, so that's obviously all I know. So when we get new people in, that they kind of they struggle with getting on board of the firefighter mindset. I, I, I really struggle with backing myself down and saying, look, you know, they this may be the only thing they've ever done. They may be brand yeah, new. All they, all they know at that point is fire truck lot of red. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So how do I back myself down to that level and understand, get on their level and try to encourage them to grow and be better? And then I feel like I've had better connections with firefighters, captains, officers in general that I think it means a lot to get down to your level and to understand your like what your weaknesses are and what your background is because at the end of the day too those people that might not have that experience with chainsaws or you know working on cars or whatever it may be those people have something to teach you too like there's gonna be stuff that they experience that you know and that's not just when it comes to mechanical stuff this is this could be real life stuff too like they may have life experiences that would be beneficial for you, right? Like, you can learn a lot from that person as well. But you have to communicate to get that out. Everybody sure. brings something to the table. That's right. You just have to find out what it is. It, it might be something small as something like cooking. Like, somebody's family might own some catering business or restaurant or something. It, it, or it could be a, a landscaping thing, roof work, construction. Their dad might be, you know, some great tradesman of like plumbing, elect electricity, all that stuff. And, and I know enough about electricity to know I don't want to mess with it. <laughs> so if, if somebody comes up who's like, dad is an electrician and they know a lot about ele electricity and stuff, like, yeah, teach me something. It's so funny when I, that you brought that up because my dad's an electrician and everybody around the firehouse, like, when something electrical, an issue with electricity comes up, they're like, your dad's a, an electrician, you should you should know this. I'm like, oh, nope, mm -mm, nope. Don't nope. mess with electricity. That's him. It's all him. Yep, it's all him. Another hot culture topic. Should assignments be given for seniority and time? Or should they be earned? What do you mean by that? Like, should the most senior person get to pick what they want to be? Should the senior person get to pick... Whether they're a shitbag or not, where they ride, say in a multi-company station, there's an engine, squad, or ladder. Should they get the pick to ride wherever they want to ride, or should it be earned? Say if somebody comes on, say that senior person has, what, eight, nine years on the job, and he has somebody with two years on the job that comes on, that's way better, and they challenge that person for their seat. Absolutely not. I think you should earn your seat every single day you walk in the firehouse. I think you should be comfortable 
being uncomfortable. Yeah. So in, in our current system, we can bid where you want to go, right? So well, where I come from, you didn't have a choice. You come out of the academy, you're assigned by the battalion chief, whatever station, whatever company, and that's where you're going to ride. And some guys rode ladder company or engine company for 10, 15 years, and some got moved around more than others. Um, but I, I really can't speak to that because I'm, I'm new to that style of system right now with, with the whole bidding aspect of it. I'm not used to that at all. I'm new to it also, but I still think that you can be a 30-year guy and you can walk through those doors for 30 years and it'd be Groundhog Day every single day. Absolutely. And you not learn anything. You not prove yourself and not earn your seat. You can have any 30 day. days on the job and it'd be your first day of staying on work. Exactly. Or you can be 30 days into the job, like you say, yeah. and you can have the most buy-in and the most positive attitude that that company has seen in a long time. So I think all in all, I think you should you should earn your seat. You should show why you deserve that that seat. I, I think a lot of it is subjective too, though. Um, in the way of when we talk about a shit bag, you could come in the firehouse and work with people that don't necessarily are not really bought in on the system, and you could be the enemy of that fire station. Yep. So, you know, when it comes to who's liked at work. You know, we're saying, like, you know, there's no seniority in this situation. Say you go into a firehouse, you're there for eight years, but the rest of the crew is not crazy about you. Somebody comes in, they're there for six months, and they decide to give up the seat you want to that person because they like them, but they don't like you. I think that the whole liking each other thing is a very subjective topic, and I think it opens, there's a lot of room for interpretation, because what determines if you're liked or not? Yes, yeah, that's my thing. Some people are going to are going to pick someone they like based off who they get along with for twenty four hours. And if you say you push, say whoever's in charge of making these decisions, you push that person in the way of you challenge them, you make them feel insecure about themselves because of the way you perform your job. You know, they could say they don't like you. I've heard of plenty of people in my time that they're like, "Oh, I don't like that guy." And then you meet that guy, and you're like, man, he's jammed up. Like, he's good at his job. And you have a hard time finding why people don't like him. And that I don't know if seniority should be the way, because, like, where I've come from, you didn't pick your seat. Like, no. it was a small enough department that administration knew who needed to be where. And if somebody was, like, slacking, they would send them here. If somebody excelled, they would send them here. If you did your job the right way, they were more likely to leave you. And when I say the right way... I mean, and I know that's a subjective thing too, but if you performed your job well, if we went to training and, you know, the Chiefs were watching and you showed effort, even if you might have messed up, you showed effort, you showed that you care, that's what determined where you went. Not, hey, it, you know, not, hey, you've been there for nine years and you're kind of chilling right now. Um, so I don't know, you know, I, I can see seniority more in the fact of, so I thought you were going with it. It's like when I, you know, when we go to work and we have riding assignments. That's what I thought you meant. Like, should the senior man be on the nozzle and the rookie be back up? Like, that's what I thought you meant. I didn't realize you meant like actual. Well, and that aspect, physical assignments. I, I guess that's that you being in a, a single company house. I can see that. And then that's you know but. that's where I feel like, in my instance, whoever the newest person is should be getting immersed. Like, if, if I've been there for five years and some kid walks in the door for his first day, 
you know, he should be riding the line and catching yeah, fire. If you're, if you're brand new, by all means, you should be on the engine for a, a good amount of time. You need to be somewhere busy. You need to be doing the work. You need to be, you know, you don't need to be watching somebody else do it. Building a firm foundation. Yeah. Because if, if I've been there for five years and ran, say, you know, you average 10, 10 working fires a year on the line. If I've been there for five years, that means, you know, you're averaging 50 fires or you've run about 50 fires. Um, that guy's going to come in the door. What is he going to gain from watching you do that 50 times? And how are you going to get better at that by watching somebody else do it? Like, oh, you, you know what to do, but until you do it. Um, and that's where, like, the seniority thing kind of ties back in that, you know, I've always been of the preference that, you know, as much as, you know, there's a possibility of you and a chief not getting along, and they're going to put you somewhere um, that you're not going to fail, but you might not enjoy. I prefer that to be the way rather than, you know, somebody likes you or they don't. Which, like I said, could happen in the chief officer situation, but it's more likely not to. Like, I shouldn't walk in the door, like you said, and go somewhere and then say, you've been here for five years, you've been here for two. So that automatically means this guy gets to go to the ladder or this guy's going to go on a rescue or whatever just because he's been there longer. And I think, it, I think should, it's a very good You discussion. should prove why you need to be on that piece. Yeah, every, being rent, proficient. rent is due every day. I know this is such an overused expression and just society in general that rent is due every day but I mean it is like there's never a point in your 30 years or whatever you're going to serve that you never have earned or maybe not maybe your last day of work ever you've earned the right to but at the same time the second you slip up and I've done this before the second you get complacent the second you you know you change the way you're doing things like you know we went to a, a wreck and whenever we go to a wreck, I always wear coat, hood, and helmet. Like I'm going, minus the air pack, going to a car accident. You know, there was a, we went to a wreck, and that one night I was like, policy states you don't need to wear a coat. You could just wear a reflective vest and bunker pants. So it was a close wreck. I said, you know what, tonight I'm just going to wear a vest. I don't feel like putting my coat on. And we come around the corner and look up, and there's a car, like, burning its ass off against a tree. That's that one time that you roll up and it ends up being a pin. The in, one time you get complacent or slip up. Exactly. It's you're like, oh shit, I'm on the April. It's easier to go from fifth gear to first gear than first to fifth. So yeah. Getting past the new guy. So or let's just say you and you're a five year guy and a four year guy comes up a little bit closer, or you're a a one plus two year guy with a three year guy. If that math makes any sense to you three. I had to think about it for a second. <laughs> I think I know where you're going with it. So, what what should be the deciding factor? Should it be who has been there longer? Or should it be who can do the company function the best? Absolutely, the company function the best. It shouldn't be... Or rotation. I mean, it, it goes back. It's also relating to the whole promotional process. Do you want to promote somebody just because they've been there for ten years and they're they're the guy with the most seniority, or do you want to promote somebody that has the most job based knowledge, somebody that's the fit for the job? It's the same concept, right, guys? Who I want to promote and who 
the Chiefs choose to promote are two different people. Well, That's, I agree. This ties back to why, you know, we haven't talked about it yet, but why I think service points on promotional exams is kind of BS. Um, yeah. I, I get why they do it to, you know, su- support the, the people that have for tenure or whatever to give them some credit. But I, I have been on fires with officers, company officers, who have never been in a fire and didn't want to go in this fire that we were on. Like with a, a three-year minimum requirement from firefighter to promotion to company officer. And in their three years as a firefighter, didn't fight fire. So why why are they allowed to promote? It's like a, a participation trophy. Oh, you've been in this spot for 10 years, so you've earned the right to ride whatever seat. Yeah, go, go take these classes. You'll be a great company officer. Yeah. We also don't allow outside training good quality training, live fire training, required structure training. But you took these classes that say you're a good leader, so congratulations. You got this Here's a fire truck and a crew of people. You got this tenured guy that's been there, and they give him this participation trophy, per se, to ride whatever piece, whatever position that the senior guy rides or whatever. And then you got this stellar, this just great fireman that's two, three years in, and he comes in, he's showing the, the effort, he's showing that he's into the job, and he gets pretty much blacklisted because he doesn't have time. I mean, that's, in my opinion, that's not right. This dude, he's going at it. He wants to be good at his job. He is good at his job. Right? Yeah, in a bad spot. Yeah. So where my previous department, one, one thing I like that I see lacks where I work now is we ran EMS transport units. And you had to earn your spot to ride that suppression piece. And a lot of people, oh, I've been here so many years. Oh, you just got hired. You're riding the ambulance. Well, you don't even know where this is on the truck. You can't pull a hand line, and you don't even know where the tank to pump is on the pump panel. So why are you on the suppression piece? You also don't know how to take a blood pressure. So why are you even on the ambulance? Like, go work at Walmart. That that goes back to the old adage of um, that's how it's always been kind of thing. I think a lot of people are still stuck in that. We've always done it this way. So just because I suffered means you're going to suffer too. Yeah. And and that's how it was, which falls into the the tradition aspect. Which, where where we were, you knew it was understandable. New people ride the ambulance. But you you had to earn your keep. Which I, I do, I am a proponent of that nothing... Nothing is a given. You know what I mean? You've got to earn your spot. But that doesn't stop. You know, that doesn't stop when you get what you want. Yeah, you have to keep it. You have to keep it. doesn't mean you need to perform at a ridiculous level to keep your spot. But it's, you see a lot of people get what they want, get to that position or get to that rank, and say, I like, I can chill now. Like, I'm good. I got what I wanted. They can't get rid of me now. Like, I'm, you know, I'm a chief or I'm a captain I'm a, I'm a driver. You know, that doesn't give you an excuse to to start being bad at your job or to stop caring about your job. Um, yeah, I mean, you should be prepared regardless of what position you're in, whether it's the senior guy in the back of the truck or a chief officer. You should be prepared in that level below you for your position. You should be getting everybody ready for your position. Yeah, a good leader prepares. Right. Thank everyone for listening. Hope to talk to you again soon.
It's a Down and Dirty Fire podcast for firemen by firemen. Hey, Down and Dirty Fire podcast listeners, Kelly here. Just want to thank everyone for listening. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas you want to pitch to us, you can reach out to us on our Facebook page, Down and Dirty Fire Training with the and symbol, or you can email us at Down and Dirty fire at outlook.com and the end on the email is spelled out a n d that's down and dirty fire at outlook.com look forward to hearing from you thanks again for listening